chapter 6, if you will. Uh, Again, Happy New Year to you. Glad you're here this morning. We're going to look at a few things this morning here uh, uh, as we've been look, continue looking at God's provisions. And again, God's provisions, this morning the title is Armed for the Battle in the New Year. And I threw on the New Year because it is New Year's. And uh, something here for you to think about and to consider as we uh, kind of are going to look at this month these issues of the provisions and conclude it down uh, in a couple weeks here. Uh, uh, about uh, the local church and so forth. The, uh, verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And that's where we started. The ultimate provisions that He has provided for us is that we are to be strong in the Lord, not strong in our own, our own energy, not working in our own resources, not trying to figure things out on our own, but rather in who we are in Christ. And we, go, we went back to chapter 1 in the first 14 verses, and we looked at those spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. And I'll just say, if you're in Christ today, and you don't like having all spiritual blessings, and you want to try and do to add to them, knock yourself out, but what do you have? you got them all. See? I know people who don't like do- certain doctrines, and they don't want it, and yet, what's going to happen? It's going to happen. Oh, I don't want that to happen. Well, it's still going to happen. (laughs) It's what it is. Why? Because it's God's Word. Be strong where? In the Lord and in the power of His might. And then we looked at the issue of the power of His might. And the fact is, again, chapter 1 of Ephesians, verse 15 to the end of that chapter, He lays out for us the plan, the purpose. He calls it glory. And what's He going to do? In the end, He's going to bring all of it back under the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ. But for you and I, the the standard of His power is Calvary. It's His death, burial, and resurrection. So the standard for you and I today in the age of grace of power is the issue of resurrection. For Israel, it was the Exodus, it was the burning bush, it was crossing the the Red Sea, and the deliverance there, Moses looks at Israel and says, see your salvation, and they were saved by blood and by power. The blood on the doorpost and power. For you and I, it's what? Resurrection. And when when we stand in the power of His might, in resurrection life, you know what, real quickly, we real quickly get a different viewpoint on the adversarial attacks and what's happening in life. And how we're going to then think about things. And what really begins to happen now in the rest of chapter 6 here, verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not the wiles of the devil, the trick, the strategies. And we spent 10 weeks looking at the different strategies. And we went through Colossians there, chapter 2 there in the real time. We'll remind a little bit more about that this morning. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You need to remember that. When you're arguing or you're talking and you're dealing with somebody, they're not your enemy. The guy behind them is the enemy. The one, the guy who set up the system, the course of this world, Ephesians 2, the, the adversary, the devil, he's the one. But against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness, against in, of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. There's this a whole scheme and whole strategy that he has to come in and to move you away from being strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And he's trying to move you 
So God's provided for you this armor, verse 13, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Did I say that right? No, withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplications in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. He's provided you an armor. He says, you're going to be in the battle, guys. There's a war coming. There's difficulty coming. And in order to be able to withstand in the evil day and to... I think about standing. Standing. Not wavering. Yesterday was the greatest day in college football. That was football all day, man. Good games. Alabama, roll tight, right? All right, good games. TCU, too. I'm like, all right, good deal. But the Georgia-Ohio State game was whew, a little too close, right? Good games. What did those guys do? They talk about the defensive line and the offensive line, and they come together. And what they stand? Goal line stand. They stood their ground. What, they're not giving an inch. If you're going to withstand, you know what that is? That's a pulmon coming up against you. Growing up in Chicago, we would be downtown. The wind would be blowing off the, the, the Lake Michigan there at, a, at about 25, 30 knots. And just blow. And you go around the building, and if you weren't ready for it, it would knock you down and then send you down the street. But you would know it's there because you got knocked down a block back, right? So you come around, and what do you do? You lean into it. You withstand it. There's a pullment coming. There's a turmoil, trials of life. Just get out of the big, oh, get out of the ivory towers and the wannabes of religion and get down where you are in the mud and the blood and the guts and the gore. And you're going to stand in that. What's going to happen? It's going to come on you. It's going to come. It's just going to be beaten up against you. Think about a bulwark up against the ocean and the waves just beating on that bulwark over and over and over again, relentless. That's life sometimes, isn't it? Sometimes, man, life just gets you and just going to grind you down in there, make you pout, make powder, and you're able to withstand it. But notice it's in the evil day. Now, that's not the tribulation. Sorry. That's not the 70th week. Who's he talking to? Church, the body of Christ. And you know what evil day is? That's every day. Paul says, in the latter times, some shall depart. They were departing in Paul's day. Paul calls it this, this present evil world. It's evil. But it's evil more for you and I because there's an adversarial attack, a spiritual attack coming. And it's coming and it's pounding on you. And when you and I got, when you got saved, God put, put you in Christ. And we're to take that identity that we have in Christ and we're to go out there and we're to put it into the operation details of life. We're to live in the identity that God gave us in His Son. That, that's, what we're, that's being strong in Him and in the power of His might. And you know who loves that? God does. But do you know who hates it? The devil. We used to sing a song growing up, if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on a tack. 
ouch, sit on a tag, you know, oh, you know. Hey, he doesn't like it, so what's he going to do? He's coming, and he's got strategies and plans, so what does God do? Folks, when we put on the Lord, when we put on Christ, we're putting on armor. And the issue is going to be these pieces of armor here, and we're going to go through them starting next week in a very bird's-eye view. Uh, you could literally spend years in this, in this, and I don't want to do that. I, I want to just, here's the provisions. Verse 14, stand therefore, having your loins gird about with truth. The belt here, the girdle. The soldier would have a flowing robe on underneath, an undergarment, and he would take the belt and bring it all under control. This undergarment, all pulled together, and it's held by truth. You and I are to take our lives, and we're to get it all wrapped up and all, all held together, and we're to put it under that girdle, that truth of God's Word, rightly divided. We're to take the details and the, and the flow of life, and we're to come in and we're to just cinch it in with God's Word. It's that issue of being filled with the Spirit. Filled. Having the Spirit, the Word of Christ, dwell in you richly, Colossians says. Have that Word come in and just control and fill up every aspect of life. In Romans 5, Paul says that the love of God is shed abroad in our heart. Every little nook and cranny has got it. Then he says a breastplate and having on the breastplate of righteousness, this breastplate would hook onto the belt, put the belt on. I almost thought about bringing them, you know, making them. In Sunday school, when I was young, we would make them, literally make them, you know. And I thought about digging mine out of the box, but then I remembered I don't have that box anymore, which is a good thing because it was pretty bad. But what do you do? You put that breastplate on and you hook it. But it's the breastplate of what? Of righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5. Look over there real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. You probably know the verse. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the what? The righteousness of God. The righteousness, the breastplate, it's not our righteousness. It's the identity that we are to live in. It's that righteous identity as the saint of the Most High God. And if you're in Christ, you're a saint. Go back there to Ephesians 6. You can just stay in E6. You're a saint. You're a saint of the living God. That word saint. You're set apart unto the righteousness of God that's in Christ. And we are to have our life under the control of God's Word and have our walk reflect the identity of the saint, of the living God. In the detail, you put that belt on, you cinch up life with the Word of God rightly divided, it begins to take in and the flow of life, all the flow of your mind, of your thinking, of your, of your family, of your home, if you have that, of your job, of whatever comes. Your neighbor, I could have killed my neighbors last night. It's like, come on, really? You don't even have kids. You're an adult, you know. Then I looked around and it was his na- the neighbor kids out there too. I'm like, all right, I'll I'll put the shotgun away, you know. It's like, it's time to go to bed. Come on, I'm on a cul-de-sac for a reason. Let's go. What? You bring it underneath. Verse 15, and your feet 
shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Be careful with this verse. Your feet shod. You're going to have some shoes on, some boots on. Your feet are what take you into the battle. See that? You're not running from the battle. You're going into the battle. You're going to stand. And if you think about that, feet shod with the proclamation of the gospel. No, it's not what that verse says. It's what all the, it's what all the big boys say it says. It doesn't say proclamation. It says what? Preparation. What prepares you for the battle? What prepares you in the gospel of peace? I think about the gospel. What would prepare you to be? What prepares you to be the ambassador for Christ to speak grace and peace to the world? It's called the edification process. It's called growing up in Christ, growing up in grace. You see, he's talking about you have your, what's going to take you into the battle is that edification process that is in now resident in your inner man and moving you through the details of the battle of the warfare called life. In researching out with the Roman soldier and the feet, and the, they used to have uh, boots with cleats on the bottom of it, spikes, so that as they would get going, you guys know what uh, the snow the snow cleat things look like, where you carry them and then you put them on when you need. That's what they had, because they would get battling so much down into certain regions of the of the Mediterranean area, and the rain would come and the monsoons, and they couldn't get it. And the and they would put on these cleats to to so they can stand and fight, and traverse through. Well, what do we have? We got this edification process that allows us to do what? Tread through it. How in the world would you as his ambassador know what to say if you, don't, if you haven't been through the process yet? Or you're going through the process. That's your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We're to have our life. Our life, folks, it needs to be grounded in a clear understanding of the edification of who we are in Christ. And then live out that understanding of that sound doctrine into the details of life. And where does that come? It comes from taking that belt of truth and girding up everything, gra grabbing that flowing robe of life and putting it under. Putting on His righteousness, hooking it into that truth. And then taking those your feet and going into the battle. Verse 16, above all, Taking the shield of faith. Now, think about that. Above all, you can take that a couple ways, can't you? Above all, in that I like these above those, right? Now, he's not saying that here, though. He's not going to say that the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit is more important or better than the girdle of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and the, the feet. Rather, what he's saying here, and the second way you take it is you're going to take some of those, these pieces and they're going to always permanently be affixed to you. The first three pieces are that way. For a soldier to be ready for war, he's not going to wake up and go, oh, hang on a minute, guys, i got to get dressed. He's ready already. Paul talks about the soldier being equipped and ready on guard. Boom. So that girdle... 
the belt goes on, it stays on. You're always in the truth. The right, his righteousness is your righteousness. It's never leaving you. It's on. Your feet are prepared. Then when you need some additional help, what do we have? We can take up. See that? Taking the shield of faith. Verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Now, again, we're going to get into all these pieces. Think about the shield of faith. Sometimes we need to hide behind our faith, don't we? Put that bad boy up there. Get that boom. Helmet. What's the helmet protect? Your thinking, your mindset. The sword of the Spirit. Well, there's the Word of God. That's the only piece where you're allowed to use in combative motive is the Word of God rightly divided. By the way, just for me, verse 18, praying with also prayer is a communication line. Why? Because the soldiers have to have communication, don't you? You get out there and you get in the backwoods and you're going and communication breaks down. We were hunting a couple of years ago and I get this text from Jeff. I got my elk. Nothing else. I climb down. I'm like, okay, well, do I get down or do I stay up here? What do I do? Is it coming my way? You know, all these questions, right? I'm, no more communication. So I climb down, and I go over where he's at. And he's already down, done, over there, you know, found the animal. And I'm like, what happened? He goes, well, I texted you. No what? No communication. I was in the dark. Literally. <laughs> A soldier needs what? Prayer. Communication. Talking to the Father about the warfare and how to take the sword and wield it in the warfare. How to take the shield of faith. And then, But you know what? You don't always need the shield of faith. Oh, there are time in lives when you're good to go. You have a shield that allows us to maintain my faith in spite of the adversarial attack. There's a helmet that's going to take care of me, my thinking. But I'm not always going to be underneath that attack. I can put it there. So you have these pieces of armor. i got to get moving here. So, Okay? And sometimes they're not needed, these three pieces. And But sometimes they are needed. But you need them because what? Eventually you will need them. It's just a timing issue. You understand that. Life's going along good. Everything's happy. You know what happens then? You always look out for the second foot to drop, right? You know, we sang that song, Silent Night, and I think about that little cartoon. Mary and Joseph are going into the, into the stable area, and he's like, he looks at Mary and says, are you mad? Silence. And he goes, okay, I know you're mad. I'm sorry. I didn't book ahead of time. I didn't make the reservations early enough. And she says, I am not mad. Thus, silent night began. <laughs> okay, why? Because life happens, doesn't it? You get going, you get doing, and everything's flowing along, and all of a sudden, wham! It's like, whoa, okay. That's what happens here. Above all, taking. Sometimes you'll need them, sometimes you won't. Now, what these pieces of armor tell us is that we are armored up for a very specific warfare. 
And it's a warfare not against flesh and blood. If you walked around with armor on, they'd think you belonged to the medieval castle game thing down there. They'd think you're a little weird. I don't know, maybe not today, who knows. I mean, you, you see, what was that thing, Comic-Con or something down there? I mean, those guys are weird. It's like, okay, you know, comic book dress-up, you know. Maybe you'll be okay, but normally you don't walk around with a... So we're talking about a spiritual warfare. And as we're going to look at these things, God has prepared us. He's made provisions for us. He's equipped us so that we're able to withstand the adversarial attacks, the fiery darts. And having done so, what? Stand. None of these pieces are for your backside. They're all frontward facing. They're all moving forward. And that's very important. Because the adversarial attack is what's coming. And what we see, look at verse 14. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with what? Notice the first piece of our armor has to do with the belt of truth. So Paul, God through Paul, is telling us that the adversary will always attack the what? The truth. That's his main line attack. He's going to attack it with a lie. So I have the ability to tell the difference between the truth and a lie. Why? I got the Word of God. I got the sword of the Spirit. I've got the offensive mechanism. I've got the defensive pieces that tell me that when I look at something, I can rightly divide it. Truth, lie. And I can say, nope, and yes. Well, what if? That, I don't see any what ifs here. This is what it is. What it was? And what it would always be is right here. So from that, we begin to learn some things. And as we begin the new year, 2023, and as we begin to look at the armor here and the provisions made by God here, the, the first one here reveals everything. Where is the attack going to be? On the truth. It's a breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness. You are righteous in Christ. Religions out there don't like that. They want you to be righteous in them. So they work it, you know, work to stay saved, work to say you're saved, work to, you know, all that stuff. Where's my right? It's in Him. And you can go down. Come over with me to Ephesians chapter 4. The adversary, ultimately, I want to just review this quickly with you this morning, and then we'll look at the armor next time because I want us to be reminded of the adversarial attacks. Uh, we did, a big, did, did, did the strategies, and you saw that, but just in really two generic manners. He, he attacks in, ba- in two basic areas. He's going to attack the message, the truth. And then he's going to attack the messenger. Okay, Ephesians 4, verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children. I love that. Be no more children. You know, God doesn't want you to be a child. He wants you to be an adult. Children are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Adults aren't. Adults look at it and say, truth, lie. That's what adults do. Well, I didn't mean to do it. Nope. Ignorance of the law is no way off. Truth, lie. Who, adults do that. You know what children don't? 
Young ones, little guys, they're always pushing the buttons, aren't they? Trying to figure out. You know what they're doing? They're pushing your buttons, yeah, but they're trying to see where, how far I can go. What's the boundary? Because what happens when they get to the boundary? Discipline happens. See, they're, they're pushing. They want to know. They're looking for the truth. Worst thing you can ever do for a kid is not discipline them. Because that's how they know what the truth is. That's how they know what right is. Truth. Wrong. What are we doing here? That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine. The winds of doctrine are blowing. How? By the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. What's he doing? Hey, the adversary's coming and he's attacking the doctrine, the message, so that you don't know what the truth of God is in life. So you're deceived, being deceived. You get deceived into thinking it's something when it's really something else. The adversary does that. Slight of men. He uses religion to do it. He uses men. And again, I'm not going to reteach everything we taught a couple a month ago or so. I just want you to see that first attack is he's going to hide the truth under, under the winds of deception. Tossed to and fro. Not firmly fixed. Not established. This wind goes this way, so I go here. Some of you have been there. You know, I would... Uh, he's not here today, so I can talk about him. But uh, he's like, Rick, I've been to four different churches and four different thises and four different thats and all this. And I'm like, dude, are you, are you, you know, dizzy? He goes, oh, I am so confused until I come to rightly dividing the word. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah. I'm like, oh, good, welcome. What does the adversary He cloaks it in that. The winds of doctrine. And appear, he, he's a, as opposed to sound doctrine, out of the word of God, rightly divided. Slight of men. Hiding the word. Deceitful. Making the word look one way when the reality is something completely other. On your way to Romans 1, stop there in 2 Corinthians 4. We'll talk about this verse in a couple weeks. 2 Corinthians 4, verse number Two, talking about this ministry here, Southwest Bible Fellowship, our ministry verse, church verse, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God, how? Deceitfully. Saying it says one thing when it's really something else. That's being scriptural, but not dispensational. We ain't going to do that. We don't do that. I don't allow that to happen. Well, who are you? Well, I'm the head cheese, so it ain't happening. What are we going, what are we to do then? Commending, but by manifestation of the what? The truth. Commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. If the truth commends itself to you, then you're in the right place. If it doesn't, we love you in the Lord. Nice to know you. There's the door. You can self-deport yourself. Come on over to Romans 1. Slight of men, cunning craftiness, tossed, not firmly, not established. 
Look at what Paul says, Romans 1, verse 11. Got to go, got to go. Romans 1, verse 11. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. To the end you may be established. Look at what Paul, the, here's the, he, I want you to be established. The spiritual gift is going to be the mutual faith, the doctrine he's going to give us. He goes, I want you to be established, firmly fixed, not tossed to and fro. So then the question is, is okay, Paul, if that's what you want, then Paul, you tell me how you're going to do that. Because if Paul's telling me I want you to be established, then Paul ought to be able to tell me how to do it. Well, verse 12, he does. That. Here's what being established is all about. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. By establishing you in an understanding, in the same understanding that Paul has, we have a mutual faith. By establishing you in the same doctrine, the same information that Paul believes in, we have a mutual faith. So what does he do? He spends the whole of the book of Romans doing just that. Come on over to chapter 16. In Scripture, being established, what it is to be established in Scripture is having an understanding from God's Word, the message that God gave to the Apostle Paul. I want you to know what I know. I long to see you. I want to impart unto you some truth so that you and I, when we get together, we have a mutual, we have a oneness here. So in Scripture, to be established is understanding what Paul is understanding. Not Moses, not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, not Hebrews to Revelation, but what? Paul, that's what he's saying in Romans 1. Got to catch that. Now watch in 16 and verse 25. Here's the... Here's the end of the good. Here's the goal. That, that, now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel. Now, we're just going to stop right there. He says in Romans 1, I want to establish with the E on it. I want to get you to where we have a mutual faith. In Romans 16, he says you are now stable. You are established. You're there. You understand the same things that I understand. You understand the riches of the grace of God. You understand what grace is all about, what it's intended to do in, in your justification, in your walk, in your identity, and in your life. You got that. But notice what he does here. According to what? My gospel. I love that. Because what that does is that comes in here now and it's going to pinpoint a dispensational issue right off the bat. It's whose gospel? Peter. The Lord. WWJD. No, whose gospel? Paul's gospel. Oh my goodness, it's just going to ripple. It's, my, it's the message given to the Apostle Paul. It's not Peter. It's not John the Baptist. It's not the Lord Jesus Christ earth, in his earthly ministry. Because, by the way, we do preach Christ, right? He says, and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret, but now may not. So we do, we're not saying, not, we don't pre we're just saying the information isn't, hasn't been there until who? Paul. 
Now, what does the adversary want you to do with that? Not come to an understanding of that at all. The message given to Paul. So the attack is not, it's, it's a dispensational attack. He's going to come up and he's going to try to get you to say, well, Paul was just the 12th apostle. Well, Paul was number 13. Well, Paul is just continuing what Peter and the boys did in Acts So Acts 2. So Paul's just now taking it to the Gentiles. Well, they have to answer Romans 11, where Paul says, I'm the apostle to the Gentiles. So how, well, he's just taking Acts 2 to the Gentiles now. Say, what? See, they don't read Acts 13. They don't read Acts 16. They don't read Acts 18. Because that's where they, they like to play. Their playground is the book of Acts. It's a deadly book to play in. I'm serious. Before the fall in Acts 7, there's at least five or six different ways to come to justification to eternal life. Shaky ground in that little book. Well, you know, no, what does the adversary do? Hey, we're going to attack. Come over to Acts chapter 20. Acts 20. Then he says, my gospel. Now, when you think about the gospel, you have to think about it a little. That's the message of the good news, God's good news to you and I, isn't it? For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of, it's, it's the gospel. But look at I told, Acts 20. That's, Matthew 20 doesn't get it because it don't say that. Acts, Acts 20, look at verse 24. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify, now watch, the gospel of the grace of God. Paul's message is a message of the good news of God's grace. It is much more than just your justification. Okay? Now, getting saved and saved from hell is a good thing, but that is literally just a footnote in this whole deal because there's a message of grace that's there. Yes, it is in your justification, but it is also in your walk and in your, come over to Romans 11, and in your day-to-day life. There's an issue of an application of God's grace to that. So the adversary is going to attack to move you away from Paul, the the dispensational movement away, but then also to uh, move away from the Word of God rightly divided, the dispensational aspect, but also it's going to design to move you away from the grace application of life. It's wonderful to know that you're justified and going to spend eternity in heaven. But then to come over here and just live and go, well, God doesn't care how I live. No, he does care. That's the great, that's the, I think about that word gospel as a big word. Good news. It holds our justification. But then Paul says, you know what you need to do? You need to walk like this. You need to live as children of the light. You need to have an edification. You need to grow. You need to move forward. You need to do this. And and what ha- and he's moving, that's the grace of the gospel, of the grace of God. Romans 11, little great little verse, verse 6. Here's, here's how the adversary attacks. 
And if by grace, then it is no more of works, otherwise grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more works, otherwise work is no more work. And that, look at that. If you add grace and works together, which that's what the adversary does, you got to work to get saved, then you got to work to stay saved, and then you better be working to prove you are saved. What did you just do to grace? Threw it out. It's gone. Come over to chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Verse 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. There's our justification. It's set. But look at verse 2. By whom also we have access by faith into what? This grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also knowing that. And then he gets into the life and how to handle life. What do we know? Man, we have peace with God, so when tribulations and trials and all that stuff comes up, it isn't God getting me because I ain't living right. It's because it's called life. But you know what I have? Verse 2, I have access, I love that, by faith into this grace wherein we stand. There's a life that I have access into. It's called the grace life, and it's by faith, and I can move into it. And the adversary wants to take you and say, no, it isn't Paul. It should be Peter. No, it isn't the grace of the gospel or the grace of God. It's the law of Moses. And you know what you've got? You've got some pieces of armor that just gird all that up and say, no way, man, that's not true. Come over to chapter 4. By the way, by faith, never forget 4.16. Faith is always on the table. Romans 4, verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by what? Grace. We have an access by faith into this standing, into this grace that we have in Christ. And it's by faith. And the reason that it's by faith is because the only response that grace will ever accept is your faith. It doesn't accept your work. It doesn't accept your activity. It says, no, that's you. We need Him by faith. And if you need help with that, draw your eye across the page to verse 5, verse 4. Now to Him that worketh it is, is, is the reward, not reckon of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his, what? Faith is counted for righteousness. We all have faith. When I got up this morning, I had faith it was going to rain. Now, it would have been, my faith would have been greatly disappointed if it didn't rain, because I thought it was supposed to rain last night. I had faith. See, the object of your faith is what's valuable. Not that you have it. I've said this before. Folks, you can know the gospel all day long and never believe it, and all you did was know something. Until you what? By faith, trust it. Now, come back over to, oh, man, he attacks. So you and I, yes, we need him, eternal life. But I also need, need him in my walk. And the whole of the Christian life, folks, is learning. It's not I but Christ. And you learn that over and over and over and over. So he's going to attack the message. 
He's going to attack the message uh, dispensationally, cause you to move away from Paul to go somewhere else. And then he's going to attack it doctrinally with the issues of law and grace. And if you take the time and you look at Galatians 1 and Galatians 3 and Galatians 5 there, you see that walk. Come over with me to Romans 3. But he also attacks the messenger. And he does that through intimidation. Usually it's religious intimidation. And the attack of the messenger is designed to uh, really to accomplish two things. One is to, to, well, the two things are accomplished to shut the guy up, to shut the messenger up. But he does it through discouragement. And discouragement leads to, I'm done. I quit. It leads to shutting you up, pulling you out of the battle through silencing you. But he does it through discouragement. Then the other side is the issue of discredit. If he can't shut you up, then he's going to discredit you by limiting the audience that listens to you. And he does that through gossip, through rumor, through criticism, and the such. Romans 3, verse 8. Here's Paul. Romans 3, verse 8, And not rather, the parenthesis is what I want, as we be slanderously reported, and some affirm that we say, slander. Lying, gossip, name-calling, rumor. It's not true. They affirm it. They say that he said something that he didn't say. They attack. Come over to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy 2, verse 9. Paul says, Wherein, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. As an evildoer, what was, what was Paul's charge? What did Paul do? What law did Paul break? He didn't break any law. He was just charged with preaching that Christ died for your sins, was buried and rose again the third day. He's, he's charged for preaching about resurrection of the dead. But what is he? He's in bonds. He's a jailbird. So you know what? You mean you go to the church that's pastored by the jailbird? Don't you know? I heard about that guy. Woo, man, he's thrown in jail a lot. What's up with that? They don't know why he's thrown in jail. They just know he's been down to Maricopa County Penitentiary down there a couple times. Now, why was he down there? For preaching the gospel. But that's not, doesn't get out. What gets out? You mean, oh, you know what, honey, we can't go to, we can't go over there to Rick's. Man, he's mean. He's cruel. He says bad things. He spent a night and a day in the jail. Don't you know that? I heard it. Facebook gossip line. I got it straight from the horse's mouth. Why? So, so that then who? Nobody will listen to him. Come over to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Titus 2, verse 6. Young men, likewise exhort to be sober-minded. In all things showing thyself a pattern of good works and doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be, what? Condemned. That he that is of the contrary part, notice this is a guy attacking here, may 
be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. That's what the, there's the attack. The contrary part. Those attacking will always have something evil to say about you. And they're doing it so no one will listen to you. So the attack on the messenger is with the purpose, with the goal to keep you quiet or to get people to stop listening to you. Now, you're in Titus, so come to 1 Thessalonians 2. As we look at the armor, hopefully, Lord willing, and if I do it right, you'll see these attacks, these two basic attacks here. Now, we've spent time looking at Colossians 2 and different things on the strategies and understanding that. But these two basic attacks, the armor is designed to protect the message. How's it going to do that? Through the edification, through the fortification of the believer. Then it's going to be designed to, attack, to protect the messenger from discouragement that comes. And you're going to do that with that helmet and with the shield and with the sword. And we'll see that as we go. Again, I want you to keep this in mind, because as we begin the new year, you know what the adversary is going to do? He's going to attack in these very two basic forms. Because I know what happens. People say, oh, life's good, man. My 401k1's up. Uh, mine's down. I don't even have a 401k. What am I talking about? <laughs> you know, stock market gives one day and takes away the next. So high, uh, uncertain riches, Paul calls that. But if you think that depending on how your financial situation looks is how God's blessing you, he's going to beat, he, the adversary is going to get you. He's going to attack. He's going to attack the edification of the believer. And he does that with the attacking of God's word, the sound doctrine. And he does it through pre those who preach that message. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Folks, that's why we're a people of a book. When we use a book, this book sits outside of us. It's God's Word. It's right when I'm right. It's wrong. It's wrong when what? Never. It's always right. It's right when I'm wrong. I'm wrong when it's right. Did I say that right? It's right when I'm wrong. It's right all the time. It's the standard. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13, Paul makes a wonderful statement here. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Always remember that. When the negatives come, when the pounding happens, you're able to stand, you're able to handle it, you're able to have the victory. Discouragement should never be. Dismay should never be. Why? Because I got the book. And it'll work when I what? When I believe it. We're to operate. Back to Ephesians 6. We're to operate on that. We're to operate on the understanding of Ephesians 6 verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. We're to operate on the understanding of who we are in Christ and what He's doing today in this day of grace. So as we start the new year, Bring that into this one. It's you and me in 2023. <laughs> okay? I had to get it in there somehow. All right? That's what, literally what it is. 
When you look around and you think the crowd's small, well, there's a reason. Or you look around and think the crowd's big, there's a reason. Don't be dismayed. Don't be discouraged. Get that truth. Get that, let's get this armor on us. Why? Because it's the provision given to us by God. For what? To withstand that attack. Because it's coming. Okay? We'll look at the armor next time, next couple times again. All right? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for who we are in your Son. For the all spiritual blessings, for the completeness. And above all, Lord, we thank you that we have your word. That we're able to open it. We're able to study it. We're able to look into them. We're able to take take the doctrine and apply it to the details of life. So that whatever is said or done will be all will be done for your honor and for your glory. In your name we pray.